Welcome to episode 187 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Coming up on today's show, we're talking about the film Cornbread Cosa Nostra with director Travis Mills, cast members Marsha Vega, Marianne Del Gallego, Raymond Satulio, and Christopher Niddle, and crew member Matt Campbell talking about the inspiration behind the film, how they each got involved with it, um, why it's important to Travis to cast local talent in key and lead roles, and of course, some funny onset stories. A lot of fun stuff to talk about. This was actually a Facebook Live podcast that I did back in February, so you're getting to hear the audio version today. But before we get into that, let me tell you about our proud sponsor, Audible. This week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Diamond. Experience! Welcome, everyone, to this special episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking the film Cornbread Cosa Nostra. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, joined along with the director of Cornbread Cosa Nostra, Mr. Travis Mills. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Also joined along with Ms. Marsha Vega. Hello. Mr. Matthew Campbell. Hello. Marianne Del Gallego. It's taken me a few times to get that name right, but yeah. finally got it. <laughs> Mr. Raymond Satulio. Hello, hello. And Mr. Chris Niddle. How's it going? So, uh, Travis, we'll start off with you. Uh, so, the first thing that kind of drew me to this Cornbread Cosa Nostra film was the title. It's just kind of out there, and I wanted to know more about it. So, what exactly was the inspiration behind Cornbread Cosa Nostra, and what is it about? There was some controversy about that title, by the way. Really? There were, there were some people involved that didn't want me to name the movie that. Um, some of them just didn't like the title, but I thought it's perfect because it's so out there and weird. If someone sees it, they're going to be like, what the heck is this movie about? Um, and uh, other people said, it, see, it's supposedly it was the FBI's derogatory nickname for the Dixie Mafia. And the Dixie Mafia was a criminal organization that worked on the coast from, I don't know, the 50s through the 80s. Some people say they're still on the coast doing bad things. Um, but supposedly the FBI nicknamed them the Cornbread Cosa Nostra, which kind of uh, is uh, makes them sound silly. But I saw that name on the Wikipedia page for the mm. Dixie Mafia, and that's what, to me, triggered the movie. Because when I read it, I thought, Miami Vice meets the Coen brothers. If the, if the Coen brothers were making this movie, that's what the title would be. And that's where it came from. It's an awesome title. Who knows? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if the movie makes any money. Then we'll, then we'll know if it's an awesome title or not. So I, I guess we'll just go down the line and we'll, we'll start with Marsha. How did you hear about Cornbread Cosa Nostra and what kind of drew you to want to be in the film? Um... I had some friends of mine that were a part of one of his last films that he did, Blood Country, and uh, we all go to acting classes together through um, Jeremy London's London Arts Studio, and 
they bragged about him and they loved the story that he did for Blood Country. And so when we heard that he was coming to the coast, we all jumped on it. And we were able to get in there and get our auditions. And, and I, I don't regret it one bit because it was an absolute blast. And Matt, you worked uh, behind the scenes. So how was it working behind the camera? Because I know you've done some acting too, but what was it like you know, being behind the camera and your experiences uh, behind the scenes? That's funny that you asked. I, I was telling Travis earlier, I had the time of my life on this project. Um, I got to do a little bit of everything. We, did, we shot a scene on a yacht and I was helping with the lighting thing and gaffing. I mean, just all these different things. And uh, I jumped right in and it was just, it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of really funny behind the scene moments that um, we were actually laughing about a lot of that stuff before we came on with you. But um, being able just to be a part of the crew and uh, feeling uh, the belonging on the set was great. But one of the things that I really, really enjoyed was, you know, being a part of the acting class, being an actor, being able to jump into, into that role and being able to help, you know, Travis with whatever he needed. Um, being able to be on the set and then come back and see the connection of the, 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 the actors and actresses, how their connection had bonded so so good over a short period of time I was gone. Um, you could see the, uh, the connections got stronger, and it was just uh, like Britton Webb and Marcus and how their connection got stronger as the production went on. And just being able to, to, to see uh, some of these people that come to the acting class that we started here in Pensacola, and then seeing them in the, in the film, and then being a part of that, it was just, it was fantastic. And uh, I'm glad to, that, I, that I get to be a part of it, so. Marianne? How did I find out? Oh. Um, I was also taking classes with Jeremy London, and he had mentioned that they were doing additions. Uh, I had never met Travis yet, but I did see, uh, I heard about Blood Country, and I did see the trailer, and I was really impressed at what I saw, so I, I wanted to work with him. So I, you know, I heard about it, and I went and auditioned. So that's how it happened for me. I actually wrote a character for her, because that character wasn't in the script when she auditioned. But she was so funny in the audition. <laughs> She's a goofball in the audition. Imagine and, that. And I thought, I, I, thought to be I really think that we need to work her into the movie. So I wrote this masseuse character. Oh. So there you go. If you didn't know that already, that's oh, the truth. Thank you. <laughs> well, I was in a, another film that Travis directed. Uh, we talked about Blood Country. And mm -hmm. so um, I got an opportunity to audition for um, Cornbread. And that's how I got involved. And I was cast as uh, uh, the corrupt sheriff, Cobb. And uh, it was really fun putting together the wardrobe and adding a few things like the glasses and the cigar. And I really enjoyed working that part of the character out. So that's how I got involved. Uh, for me, I didn't know Travis, but then I went to a film festival up in Ocean Springs where another movie he had worked on called Don't Come Around Here was playing, and I was really impressed with the movie. So afterwards, I stuck around, talked to him a little bit, and he had brought up the fact that he was going to be making a movie about the mafia, wanted to use some local actors and stuff. Uh, and then I found out the previous movie he did, Blood Country, had used other local actors that had been in similar acting classes as me. So when the casting came out, I just went and did an audition and... The rest is history. Now, was that something that was important to you when you were coming up with this project, like casting local actors for key roles in the film? It's always important. That's pretty much what we do. What I've been doing here in uh, Mississippi in the southeast is 
working with local talent because um, it's awesome to be involved in some movie that comes into town that stars Nicolas Cage where you get a role with uh, opposite Nicolas Cage, but oftentimes that's a scene or two, right? Mm-hmm. And my passion is giving local actors the chance to play lead roles or fe- featured supporting roles, you know, where Marsha's in, I don't know, like seven, eight scenes. Yeah. I wasn't counting, yeah. but... I think I had, I had uh, seven wardrobe changes. Right. She's wow. a character in the film. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? She's one of the key people. And that gives them the chance to really be noticed and um, great stuff for their demo reels. And honestly, I think that they're just as good as the people that are getting hired out of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's just giving them the opportunity to show that. And that's, so whether it's Blood Country or Cornbread or this new one I'm doing, Son of a Gun, it's totally focused on local talent. Well, and I think that's key because we're seeing now projects outside of Hollywood that are becoming more noticed and more successful, which I, I think is a good thing because, you know, you're really going to find that, you know, I'm not saying there's not passion out in Hollywood, but, you know, we're all passionate, whatever we're doing with film, whether it's acting, running camera, running sound, you know, it, it feels like it means something when you really come together. And even, you know, like telling stories about local events and groups, I, I think is awesome. Yeah, I, I think that filmmakers don't take it advantage of local history as much mm-hmm. as they should, you know. I mean, zombie movies, vampire movies, that stuff is cool. But a lot of times in every city, whether it's um, Biloxi or Mobile or Pensacola, there's some great stories just waiting to be mined. And most likely Hollywood will never hear about them. So I think it's our job to dig up those stories and tell them. So Blood Country was based off an actual story too? Yes, Blood Country was based off of a... um, true story of something that happened after the Civil War in really my my hometown where my both of my grandparents were born. And I found it in this book, Mississippi Gumbo. And it's just an, an incredible true story where you're just reading and you're like, whoa, this, this has to be on the big screen. Same thing with the Dixie Mafia stuff. You read it and you're just like, um, I'm going to make this happen. Something I've been curious uh, about you specifically is how have you been able to make so many films in such a short amount of time? Is, are, does, are you like a drug addict when it comes to filmmaking? That's a good, I like that. Well, film is a drug and you become yes. an addict, I think. Um, because, you have to be addicted to do it. Oh yeah, because at the end of each production you're like, fuck this shit, I'm never coming back, I'm never doing it again, I hate everyone. And then like, my mom the best thing my mom ever told me in my whole life is I had finished my first feature film and the next day I was hungover and I was at their house and she said, I knew you were a filmmaker when the day after you finished your first feature film you were talking about your next feature film and that you were going to shoot it in a few months because I knew that you would just never stop. Mm -hmm. So uh, to answer your question, I don't think it's weird to make so many movies. Mm -hmm. Because uh, look at how many games baseball players play. You yeah. know, um, I think it is weird to take uh, two years to make one movie. I'm not putting those people down. This is just the pace that I like to work at. I want to be constantly working. I want to be consistent for my audience. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, 
Uh, I've been doing it since 2011, pretty much at that pace, and I'm I'm not going to stop until I kick the bucket. That's the, <laughs> that's the expression, right? Well, bucket. we can make that happen. Oh, thanks, Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to take me out right now. <laughs> okay. But no, I mean, you you found a pace and a style that works for you. So that's that's not a bad thing at all. So uh, why don't we go down the line and talk a little bit about your, your individual characters in the film and how you kind of contribute to the story. Wow, okay. Um, Mary is definitely uh, a different character. She's a former prostitute who um, is part of the money laundering scheme that the guys are running out of the prison. And um, just... I'm not a very uh, flamboyant individual when it comes to my clothes outside of, of in the real world. I normally just wear sweats and a hoodie. That's what you normally see me in all the time. So being able to jump into Mary's wardrobe and personify her as this sex vix- vixen uh, who will literally stab you in the throat if you look at her wrong. And she doesn't care. Uh, you know, somebody will come in and point a weapon right in her face and she will just be like, and? And so it was, it was definitely different from my, my normal person. But it's got to be cool so playing a character that, her? Yeah, she that was, different because you get to do things that you would normally you know, do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you it's almost step like step outside a, of yeah. yourself and, and experience the emotions of a, of a secondary person, even though it is you that's ex- experiencing it. Right. So, What I liked about what Marsha did is what I want from every actor that takes on a role is that they own it mm-hmm. uh, completely. You know, there's no reservation. You can't come into the project with any sort of hesitation, reservation about being this person, no matter whether what whatever they've done, if they're a serial killer, child molester, whatever, you have to embrace it and own it, and it shows up on screen whether you do it or not. And from the start, I remember asking you on Facebook, I'm like, are you comfortable playing a slut? Right. I was like, yes, and no you're big like, deal. Yeah, okay. I can do that. I got that. And then from then on, she she owned it, and there wasn't a moment on set that she didn't bring it. So that was cool. Marianne, you, you since you play the the masseuse. Yep, that's 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 about it. <laughs> no, there's way there's, more. There's got to be some funny moments. There's, there's way more. There has to, to be it, some funny moments in there. Oh, 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 there, there's some funny <laughs> moments. Yes. Uh, hmm, where to start? Um, uh, <laughs> played my suits to um, Creek Wilson's character, Johnny Handsome. And uh, it was my first time meeting him. I'm walking up onto the set, and, and he introduces himself outside, and he goes, uh, so you're my masseuse. Just so you know, I'm going to be naked in this scene. And I thought he was joking, so I jumped right in with, oh, me too. Awesome. That's what I said. Right. <laughs> yeah. He was. <laughs> I didn't anticipate that, so I turned, and there he was, you know, face down, and and my, you know, this, the, in my head I went, oh! and then the other part went, I'm a professional, I can do this. <laughs> and, and then Creek's ass became like the the butt of the joke. Yes, from, yes, from that here point on out, forward, no nonstop, pun no pun intended, all over our crew site that we post. I can confirm. I can confirm too. 
Creek's ass did not hit the cutting room floor. It made it into the movie. Oh. <laughs> so as as she's pounding so his, his back, you, his ass Oscar will live on forever. Yes. But Marianne, real quick thing about her, there's two key scenes that she's in in the film. And in the second one, I don't want to ruin it, but someone basically has her on the massage table and he's running a gun along her back. And in take two or three, she started crying. She was supposed to be like whimpering in the scene, but she started crying. And and I started to wonder as the takes went on, I'm like, is this acting or is she really freaked out by this experience? And when we were done with the scene, I still didn't know. I was like, I don't know whether you were acting or not or if you were, I really did just traumatize you, but good job. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. How did it come across on the camera? <laughs> then I did good. It worked. Raymond? <laughs> uh, yeah, this this guy Cobb, he's a uh, he's a corrupt uh, piece of trash, you know. I mean, the FBI come looking for him, and it's like, uh-uh, you're in my yard. And uh, there's uh, actually, uh, without giving anything away, there's a there's a pretty cool chase scene, and uh, there's um, there's a point in the movie where uh, he is uh, unfortunately um, taken down. But he's just into money laundering, prostitution, anything wrong. I mean, he was doing it. And that's totally opposite from who I am. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> I, 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 based, I cast him in that role because I felt there was a strong kinship between. <laughs> Almost like a natural fit. And Raven. <laughs> All of these characters, by the way, are not the masseuse, but uh, I'm sure there is a masseuse out there that was involved with the Dixie Mafia or Minnie. Um, But Marsha's character and uh, Raymond's character are based off of real-life people, and we just slightly changed the names. So, But yeah, he was great in the car chase. You did a great job. Um, It's hard to, like act and drive the car and not mm-hmm. crash it and, and I was supposed to be doing they do about 25 to 30 I think I got up to about 60 or 70 yeah at some point we're like what slow him down <laughs> get on the walkie talkie he's like speeding through this rural area slow him down uh, uh, I play a character named Charlie Holbrook and I can't talk about too much of what he does because it'd be kind of spoilery but the best way to describe him is that he's the hitman that scares other hitmen Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, you know, we filmed in some locations in this movie, especially where my character, one of the big scenes takes place in the real location that this hitman was in real life as well. Um, so that was a pretty neat experience to see that he's actually using some of the real locations that this movie is loosely based on. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The hitman that scares other hitmen. Yes. I like that. Yeah. That's awesome. He's a carny hitman. He works. <laughs> he works at the carnival until until he has got to go kill someone. <laughs> Chris was a great sport on set. We were like filming a very crucial scene, and it's one of those where all of a sudden there's like five minutes left of light, mm-hmm. and Chris has been waiting for probably like two hours, and I finally got to his moment, and there's five minutes left of light. And I'm just like, go here, 
do this. Okay, two takes. Okay, we're done. (laughs) Two hours for that, but it worked. And he was just like, the point is to be ready when we need you to be ready. And all of these cats did that, which is great. And people can't, I don't know if people can tell on camera, but he like towers over everyone else. So he's like perfect for the hitman that scares other hitmen. 6'4", wow. That's why I'm sitting right here. I thought I was tall. I thought I was tall. And then I stood next to him and I was like looking up at Christmas. Before we continue this conversation with the cast and crew of Cornbread Cosa Nostra, I have to remind you that for you, the listeners of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And they have a ton of books to choose from, from fiction, nonfiction, sci-fi, gaming, romance, any genre you can think of, Audible has. And if you're always on the go like I am, it's a great service to have to be able to continue to read without having to sit down and read a physical copy. And to do that, just go to audibletrial.com nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com nerdcave for your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. So talk me through the whole process of getting this film made, because this was filmed out in Mississippi, mm-hmm. correct? So did you, have, did you guys span like a ton of locations? Was it difficult to secure locations? Like, how, how did that whole process work? I wrote the script in May of last year, and we were shooting in October. So it all happens pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of local help with uh, locations, because I... I've been to the coast, but I didn't know it intimately. Mm-hmm. So it took people like our production designer, Julie Tosh, and some other people like that to say, well, there's a house on this street, and there's there's this place. Like uh, Chris mentioned, we were able to shoot in some of the real places that mm-hmm. this stuff happened, which to me is great and gives an authenticity that may not be evident on screen, but I think you can just kind of feel it. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, And uh, it was... It's tough. The movie starts in 1982 and mm-hmm. ends in kind of the early 2000s. So not only are we making a low-budget indie film, but we're making a period piece that takes place over a lot of years where we got to have our actors' looks changing and and all this kind of stuff. And we shot on airfields, alligator farms, yachts. We shot in a swingers club in Gulfport for our strip club. That was awesome. Um, so many I'm crazy some funny stories behind that. Oh, there's funny oh. stories. <laughs> yeah, like any set, there's funny stories, there's nightmare stories, there's points where we like wanted to cry so much we loved each other, wanted to kill each other, you know, it's that's making movies. That is the nature of the film business. Well, why, why don't we go from there? Um, why don't we go down the line, tell one funny and one horror oh. on-set story. Should have had him sign NDAs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, didn't we? Wasn't that an actor's agreement? It wasn't, actually. It will be on the next movie. <laughs> Stories that you feel comfortable telling. There you go. We told so many before the podcast started. I don't know which one to rehash that. Um, I think probably the the most fun for me was um, at the Swingers Club, which was our strip joint. And it was interacting with the, the ladies Mm-hmm. that we had there who were our, our dancers. And uh, 
Uh, without giving anything Just away. tell the story about the stripper crawling across okay, your lap. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> um, there's this scene. There's myself, and there's um, Johnny Handsome, and then there's um, Kevin McGrath's character. I can never Petrovich. pronounce it. Petrovich. And the three of us are sitting there having this conversation. And then the stripper just appears here next to me, and she's got to crawl over my lap across... Um, Creek's lap and into Kevin's face and we're sitting there and this poor young lady has been going through the ringer trying to get the, the crawl right and I even got down and showed it Travis crawled across <laughs> us trying to show us how he wanted her to, to crawl and that was odd but um, hey, did I do a good you job? You did a damn good job I'm just saying. You're an actor's director and I like he it. Is. And so she gets, she finally, she's, she's in her head space, and she's getting there, and she's getting there, and she delivers her line just right, and Creek Wilson leans up and puts his lips right on her ass cheeks, and we're all just like... Right when she's getting comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately, I turn into mom mode. No, the fuck you didn't just put your lips on her. <laughs> And he's like, I just wanted to make Travis mad. I was like, then you kiss Travis's ass, not hers. Well, speaking of Creek, he is actually watching right now, along with oh, Marcus. Is he, he's probably commenting on it. Is he commenting on it? Oh, uh, man, there's like a lot of comments going on. <laughs> yeah, we've got Mark, uh, Marcus Hinton, Creek Wilson. Marcus! Hey, Marcus! Josh Priest, Damon oh, Burks. Bree Middle, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that name wrong. Hopefully he's working on his memes of us right now. Yes. Can you do video (laughs) memes, Josh? Just do some video memes. Uh, And he says, hello back. So There you go. Matt? Oh, geez. I can't follow up with that, man. (laughs) Strippers, ass kissing, all that. But uh, uh, I think one of the coolest uh, scenes that we did was when we were on the alligator farm. And uh, I walk into the room, and they had dumped out a shell because they were going to, I'm not going to give it away, but we had to shoot a weapon, and we had to shoot it in the, in the bushes first. And I walk in the room, and it's in this cooler, and there's this, like, the biggest alligator head you've ever seen in your life just laying on the table in a spine, and it's like all this stuff. And I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. But, and there was a comment about, you know, would you ever eat here now that you know how they process this stuff? Marcus said, I said, no, I would not. <laughs> but um, I think one of the things that was great, um, that was a challenge, is we had to, there was a scene that had a yacht in it, and we came together as a team to make that happen. And I think that was one of the coolest things about being a part of the group, because we worked together to bring the project together, and that was so important. And it was, everybody in here was all in on the deal, you know what I mean? And it was just, let's make this, let's make this picture happen. Let's do, let's go to any lengths to do it. And that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about being a part of the project. I saw, you know, what Travis was doing with the amount of money that he was working with and how compassionate he was about telling the story and how it was unfound material. And that the interesting part was, what is this, what does the name of this movie mean? And it's just, it draws a different type of interest, Mm -hmm. I think, to the project. And the greatest thing is that, um, it's a memory that you won't forget. You can share mm-hmm. it with your kids, and you can say, "Man, you know, Daddy was on a film." And I'm just totally proud of. Can I say something about the yacht? Yeah, the yacht actually. The yacht that we had initially, uh, we we couldn't get it because the hurricane was coming. That's and right. He, mm-hmm. he moves the yacht mm-hmm. to Orange Beach or something. It was like, 
And Travis is like, well, we may what have to do that scene. I'm like, no. I, I mean, that's the <laughs> scene that I'm in. <laughs> and I said some other words to Wesley, I think. And, uh, and so uh, that was they, the say, they say these things through other people. Yeah. They don't actually come to me and say, no. They say, Travis is an idiot. Don't let him do and it. So you know? we, found, we found a yacht in, uh, was it Moss Point? Yeah, yeah there yeah, was. Yeah, we yeah. found so a yacht was... like the day of we, that we needed it. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, man, I need to shoot on your yacht. Please let us like, and bring was... 30 people on your yacht tonight and let us do this. And the guy did, and it was amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, it was good. That was the only scene I got that little piece in, you know, and one other. But it was a lot of fun, you know, and and just being a part of it was great. So, but the, the yacht scene was fun. I mean, we had we had the the popsicles, all that fun stuff. I mean, it was it was cool. So, yep. very nice. Oh, fun story. Creek's ass. <laughs> horror story. Horror story. Creek's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, Love you, Creek. Oh, he's loving it. I'm sure. He's like, oh, yeah, my, my butt's famous. We've talked more about him than anyone involved in the movie or ourselves. I don't know if you remember when we were filming and you were switching the, the point of view. You guys were under the table and you guys kept cracking up. Well, yeah, we, we had this angle that maybe, I don't know, I'm not seeing it in a movie where we're under, you know, where the face, the person's face is. That weird. And we're shooting up at him and his face is, you know, being stretched. <laughs> and as she's hitting him on the back, there's no happy ending on screen. But um, as she's hitting him on the back, he's making these groany sounds. Mm-hmm. And Jared and I, the cinematographer and I, just couldn't hold it together. I mean, you're just looking at the silliest image, and then you got Creek going, harder, harder. So if that scene doesn't get a laugh in the movie, then I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. Well, what's funny to me is because, you know, the director goes, okay, guys, guys, we, 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 can't, we can't laugh, okay? We got get a take here. We can't laugh. And so everybody's trying to not laugh. And who's the first one to laugh? <laughs> it's a fun movie. Every single time. I really need to meet this Creek character. Oh, yes. <laughs> Definitely. He deserves his own show. Yes. Yes. We'll call that the Creek Wilson experience. <laughs> yeah. He's on a reality TV show. Interesting. <laughs> I was, what I was thinking about Creek that was funny, that, that it, it wasn't in uh, Cornbread, it was in something else we shot, so I won't go into that. <laughs> no, you, you feel one? free to share if you want. Handsome? Yeah, we'll talk about okay. that. Yeah. Well, real quick, uh, we Handsome. Just, we just did this uh, so, well, short uh, with Creek's character, Handsome, and um, he has to put this uh, black guy on his hair and on his mustache and all, and he was, uh, needless to say, making out with, Don't please don't get mad, <laughs> <laughs> his girlfriend, and we were driving together from set, and we drove, pulled into a service station. She went in to use the bathroom. She, come, she comes out. She goes, Creek Wilson, I'm going to kill you. Black all around the mouth. From the He said, give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. That's awesome. That's amazing. So we just shot, just to explain that, we just shot these spin-off short films for Cornbread as well mm-hmm. that will be sort of promotional materials. So we took a couple characters and we made right. their, our own short films. And I didn't, what's really cool is I did, did not direct them. We had two other Mississippi directors come in and do them, which is mm-hmm. which should be fun to see their vision of that world. No, absolutely. Kind of like a grindhouse thing, right? A little yeah. bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if I can follow up those stories. I was only on set for a couple of days, but uh, for me, as far as uh, 
you know, a funny story. It's more so after we were done filming for the day, um, due to the nature of the scene that I did, I had a certain amount of, a lot of makeup on me and we, everyone else was showering. They wanted to go to the bar and kind of hang out and talk afterwards but I was just tired. I didn't want to shower or anything, so I just went straight to the bar like that. <laughs> and the looks I got were like, I think there's probably somebody that called the police. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I went with Marcus Hinton and Britton Webb, and we were just uh, having their... The stairs we got, the, the waitress came up, and she was looking really nervous, like shaking, and, and just until we kind of told her, look, we're filming a movie, all this stuff. Everyone was looking at us crazy. Because my character has, like you said, I'm like this carny, and so even when we went to the actual carnival, to, we went to an actual carnival to shoot one of my scenes, I, I was getting a bunch of weird looks there, too. Like, who's this weird freak? You know? And so it was just so uncomfortable the whole time. Um... But yeah, I mean that's about all I. Can. <laughs> uh, Creek says to uh, Raymond, Susan said she's going to kick your tail. I wasn't going to mention her name, but you did. So I like these live responses. Yes. And uh, Creek has already agreed to come on my show. So nice. there you go. <laughs> Sounds like I'm I'm in for a fun time. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> So another question I did uh, have about uh, Cornbread. When you wrote the script, did you have specific actors in mind? Did you have everyone here in mind for those parts, or did they just audition? No, I did not. Uh, sometimes I do that, and the danger is that you get kind of stuck in your mind, and you're not open. You might as well not do auditions if mm -hmm. you're going to do yeah. that, in my opinion. Um because then you can just kind of go and pick and choose. And I've done movies like that where I, I just pick and choose my actors. But with this, I wanted to remain completely open and be surprised by who would show up at the casting call. So I knew of Marsha. I'd worked with Raymond. I thought these people might be interesting in these roles. But really, it comes down to what are you going to do in that audition? Are you going to impress me? Are you going to show me something that I didn't see coming, something unpredictable maybe. And um, a lot of people won roles just from doing a good job yeah. in that casting call. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, do any of you each have your own uh, individual projects or other projects you have coming up that you want to plug? Well, I, I do. I, we're, we're starting an actor social over in Mobile. It's going to be twice a month over at um, South Coast Studios. Uh, it, it's for local performing artists to get together, um, kind of go over what where we're at in our career, what we need to progress forward. We're going to have local filmmakers come, maybe even do some collaborations, do some scene work, practicing, rehearsings for auditions and stuff like that. Just to kind of give us a local network to where if, you know, let's say Raymond gets sides in for an audition at 8 o'clock at night and he doesn't have anybody to call. Well, now with this network, he can, he can call up one of his friends and be like, hey, listen, you know, I've got this audition and I need somebody to rehearse and run lines with me. You know, mm -hmm. are you available? Can we Skype? Can we, you know, because we get so disjuncted in our, in, our, in our everyday lives that we forget that we're all on the same path. At that same journey mm -hmm. of creation. That would and be so, so helpful too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. helpful for some others. Because when you're rehearsing, sometimes and you're looking at yourself in the mirror or whatever, and you're you're you think that you've got this down and you've done your character breakdown and you've you've done your script analysis and you go, I've got this. 
And then you have somebody else come in and read with you, and they're like, mm, no, you don't. Try, try, try something different. Right. Try a little bit. Try flubbing this. Try doing mm-hmm. that. And, and some, it works better mm-hmm. sometimes having that second opinion other than you just running lines, running lines, running lines, running lines, and then let me deliver it to the camera like this. And then you, it never works mm-hmm. because reading to, some, to a non-existent individual is not going to mm-hmm. get you what you need. Marcia and I have a short that we did last year that we're waiting to come out. Yeah, it's in the editing right mm-hmm. now. So. Called uh, Siren. Siren. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like Raymond and I were talking earlier, we're both new at this, you know, a year in, um, but it's been a really um, interesting journey so far. I got to do some background work on a Hulu show called The First, which was mm-hmm. anything is exciting when you're doing any of that kind of stuff, just being, watching all the, the background stuff and seeing how these people, these major productions get put together and all the work that, all the jobs they give these people is amazing. And uh, I haven't shared this with a lot of people. I shared it with um, uh, Chris, but uh, I, uh, I'm i doing a, a, a background player for a Netflix show called The Highwaymen where it's uh, Kevin Costner, Woody Harrelson play the two detectives that hunted down Bonnie and Clyde. That's awesome. Hey, you know, <laughs> you're doing background on that. Yeah, that's badass. Yeah. So I mean, uh, the the thing, all these things are celebrations in my life, you know, and and um, I like talking about them because we all can have the opportunity to do that, you know. Right. And it, you just have to do the work. This is this is this stuff doesn't just come to you. There's work involved. You have to chop a lot of wood. You have to carry a lot of water. You got to be committed. You got to be loyal. You got to be trustworthy, and you got to be a person that people can connect with you and not have an agenda attached to it, you know, and say, look, I want to help this person, and how can we help each other? How can I shine the light on all of us, not just yeah. me? Mm-hmm. And that, that is kind of what this has really been about. And the greatest joy I've gotten is to be able to watch other people doing the things that they talked about, their dreams, and then watching them happen. To learn it's not a competition, but it's like a family. It's, right. you know, and, and the last podcast we did with Derek, I learned that this is not about competition. It's about connection. If I'm connecting with you, there is no competition. It's about how can we better this project? How can we make it better? Um, All but, cogs in one big machine. Yeah, and the thing is, is highwaymen, you know, I got to go in for a fitting. And, and the character, it's funny, the name is Shanty Town Dweller. So whatever that means, <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. Oh, there's Matt. Oh, <laughs> you are gonna have like on a white beater's <laughs> All I know is, all I know is, I called my agent Suzanne. And I said, "This is what's going on." And she, you know, and and the thing is, uh, I have to get a 1930s haircut, whatever that looks like. I looked it up. It's like, so I mean, these are all exciting things. I know, right? Life is hard, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. I had to pull back the 80s bangs. Well, I like the whole. I like the whole like in the trailer with the the black uh, the the black light stuff was yeah. really cool, man. So, uh, real quick, if anybody uh, in the Facebook live chat has any questions they want to ask, feel free to put them in the chat. Except for Creek Wilson. <laughs> well, it's a funny segue because he actually listed his upcoming projects. <laughs> uh, let's see. What a good ball. Mr. Creek Wilson says. <laughs> He called him Mr. Creek, yeah. Mr. Creek Wilson. Santa Jaws for Shark Week. Nice. And M.A. with Octavia Spencer. Just throwing my plugs in since I wasn't invited to do the show. Oh. Aww. Aww. Lance Nichols, um, our acting coach, is in that, too. He's going to be in uh, that movie as well. Yeah. So. Let's see. Bree Niddle, hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right, says, what's this channel on YouTube you do, Chris? 
His wife just encouraged him to plug himself. She's got your back, oh, dude. She's right. got your back. It's been like a month since I posted anything because I've been focusing on the acting stuff, but it's uh, KM Reviews. I usually do like weekly movie reviews and stuff. Um, yeah, and I do some celebrity interviews a little bit here and there when I get the chance to do that. I've interviewed people like Shia LaBeouf, uh, Kelvin awesome. Harrison Jr. from It Comes at Night, but mostly it's just uh, movie reviews. Um, so, hope, and I'm, I've just set it up a new area that I'm going to be doing it because we just kind of moved some stuff around our house, but hopefully I'll be doing that on a weekly basis again here pretty soon. You and I are going to have to have a chat after this podcast. I do have one more thing. Yeah. Uh, one more shameless plug. On March 15th, uh, myself and a group of local filmmakers from Pensacola on out to um, Fort, um, where is that? What's Destin? What's what's the Fort up? Fort Walton. Fort Walton Beach. That's it. <laughs> anyway, um, we wrote and all starred in a short film for the Forty Eight Film Project, and mm. we were lucky enough to be one of the fourteen winners of the two thousand seventeen International Forty Eight Film Project. Cool. Um, awesome. So, the crew and. The cast and I are, we're all going out to LA to the Directors Guild of America yes. for the awards and uh, some more possible networking opportunities to help bring some stuff back here to the panhandle. Awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations. Also, also, Thank you. Also, Anne Marie has a Atlanta bound. Some of the agents are doing things. You know, they have what is it, the Atlanta thing? Uh, the, Los Angeles thing that comes out. They're going to Hollywood here pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, she's doing a Hollywood. So I want to put, you know, Anne Marie, Suzanne, and all these these other people. They're doing a lot of good stuff for the community and, and just putting opportunities out there to, like you said, to 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 um to make more connections, which I think is very important. And we're in a good spot to we are in a good spot to do that. Yeah, it's been really nice to see the progression of, you know, filmmaking and just the performing arts in general in this area. Because I remember first starting like to get involved with it a few years ago it was kind of there but not n nothing near what it is now so I, I just think it's fantastic to see it continue to grow and, you know seeing films like cornbread cosa nostra like blood country that take advantage of this area let's let's not forget about the four time academy nominated film that was done in in fairhope Last year, get, get out. out. Get out. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know that was that was done here on the mm -hmm. coast as well. So it's yeah. it's happening. There, yeah. It's coming here. So all yeah. the booking was done. It was it was in Fairhope, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Fairhope, Mobile, and most of the extras are. Chris, you were a part of that one. Yeah, but they cut me out, so let's not talk about it. <laughs> Screw them. I hope they lose. Chris, Chris hit the floor. Lose no. all of the awards. No, but I, I was in that movie, and I was just an extra. Um, but it was a cool experience. They treated all their... I'm really happy that they're getting nominated for an Oscar because they treated even their extras like they were the stars. Like, I I got my own trailer and everything. It's part wow. of what gave me the acting bug to pursue this because, you know, when you're sitting there and you're eating dinner with the stars and all this stuff, and now they're being nominated for Oscars, it makes you feel like this is attainable, you know, because mm -hmm. being here, you do local films, it's awesome, but when you see, like man, I was on a production that's nominated for an Oscar now, it really gives you hope that any day you could get that role that just puts you to the next level. Any other last-minute plugs that you guys want to throw out there before we close out? 
Cornbread Coastal Nostra, Ocean Springs, Mississippi, oh. May 18th. Yeah. The we announced the premiere uh, today. That was today, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that was today. But there's gonna be I've lost track of time. Aren't there going to be people that are, you know, the cast will be there? Oh, yeah, the cast will be there in costume, uh, awesome. in character. Uh, the car too. Hopefully, Creek Wilson will be wearing clothes. Um, <laughs> but May 18th, Friday, May 18th in Ocean Springs at the Mary C. O'Keefe uh, Cultural Center, which is where we showed Blood Country there. It's mm -hmm. a great local venue, um, and they it should be fun. And get tickets. Yeah, they can already get tickets, and I would get them fast because I wouldn't yeah, be surprised yeah, if this out. thing sells Beat out. BeatMaryC.org. Yeah. Awesome. BeatMaryC.org. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was thank a lot you. of fun. Thank Thanks for having us. My thanks again to the cast and crew of Cornbread Cosa Nostra for taking the time to do that really fun podcast. As I said at the top of the show, we did the live version back in February, so it was great getting to go back and listen to that. It was a lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll all get to do another podcast soon or maybe even work on a project together. You never know. Uh, but speaking of Cornbread Cosa Nostra, they do have some premiere dates coming up over the next couple of weeks. If you're listening to this show the day it comes out, May 17th, the premiere of the movie will be tomorrow, May 18th at 8 p.m. Central Time at the Mary C. Theater in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. On May 26th at 8 p.m., it will be premiering at the Imogene Theater in Milton, Florida. There's several dates coming up. Uh, if you want to find out more, go to the Cornbread Cosa Nostra Facebook page. They have a couple of dates in May and going into June, so a lot of exciting stuff coming up. So definitely go follow Cornbread Cosa Nostra on Facebook. And also, be sure to follow this podcast on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram, all at Podcast. Coming up on next week's show is part one of a two-part roundtable that I did uh, with my Nerd Cave Retro co-host Jason Robbins and a co-worker of mine, Blue Wahoo's broadcaster, Chris Garagiola, talking The Legend of Zelda video game series, one of my top two fandoms of all time. A really, really fun podcast. It was probably... I'd say top 10 favorite podcasts that I've ever been a part of, whether it be hosting or just being on the show. Uh, so part one of that will come out next week. If you want to subscribe, go to iTunes, Spotify, all podcasting platforms, and just search for the Derek Diamond Experience so you don't miss out. But on that note, that's going to do it for this week's show. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next week with the Legend of Zelda Roundtable. Thank you.